we're saying, I'd like to welcome you all to grace this morning. I'd like to give God praise for the opportunity to stand before you today. And uh, all week I've been praying about what God would have me to preach on. And I kept getting ideas and ideas about different things as because of the new year. I kept focusing on the new year. But one of the things that kept coming to mind was, you know, we're a week in now into the new year and nothing's changed. We're still in the same place that we are. The same things are still going on. I still got up at work and had to go to work on Monday morning. That ain't changed. There's nothing changed. The only thing that changed for us was the date on the calendar. And so I began to pray about that. And I said, I was asking the Lord, I said, what is it that you would have me to talk to these people about this morning? I knew Addie was getting baptized and I kept thinking things in my mind about that. And as they called me and told me, but one of the things he kept saying to me was just tell them about my word. Just tell them, remind them of my word as we go into the new year. And so I ask you this question this morning. How much time do you spend in God's word? Because that's what he kept asking me. And that's what he kept telling them. Remind them of my word. Because there's nothing greater than I can give to you. There's nothing more than I can do or give you than give you the Word of God. Something that will encourage you. Because when we, so many times when we read God's Word, we're working, I know, as a minister or a Sunday school teacher, you're, we're always looking for a message or looking for something to trigger a message or, or something to that. If I'm reading, the, and I'm, sometimes I just read the Bible because I think somebody's going to ask me a question or I need to explain something to somebody that they're confused. But do we ever take the time? And I'm, and I really want you to think about this. Do you ever take the time to think that God's word is a personal letter to you? Have you ever picked up your Bible and sat down and begin to read it and just think that God is just writing that just for you? And what it can mean when we focus that in our lives. To take time. To grow. How can you stand here and listen to me this morning or any minister if you don't have the truths about the Word of God? How do you know that we're speaking the truth? How do you know that we're telling you the truth if you're not in the Word of God and learning and knowing what God is saying? We so many times just take people's word for it. We take the minister's word. He's a pastor. We'll just take his word for it. How do you know? You know, the, the people that followed David Koresh took him at his word. And they believed it. And we can go on down the line through history. So if you're not in the word, how do you know you're receiving the truth of the word? And so that's what God is wanting me to do this morning. He's wanting me to remind you that He's speaking to you on a personal level when you're willing to listen 
and to come to Him and to know Him and to spend time with Him. I want you to turn with me <clears throat> to uh, Hebrews, the fourth chapter. If you have your Bibles, I don't know if she can get it up on the board. Probably should have gave her more time, but that's okay. The Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and starting in the twelfth reverse. But one of the things that God wants me to remind you of, that, and He reveals to us, is our true identity. That's why it's so important to read the Word of God. So that we can see our true identity. And believe me, you're not going to like what you see. I don't like what I see of myself when I begin to read. And when God begins to reveal to me my true identity. But see, when we understand our true identity, then that brings us to the knowledge that we need a Savior. But until you realize what your true identity is, it's not the identity that God wanted us to have. It's not who and God tended us to be. It's who we are because of what took place in the garden. Our true identity. And he reveals. So I want to get into this here in Hebrews. Starting in the 12th, 12th verse. He says, For the word of God is living. Living. You cannot just pick up the Bible and read the Bible and not expect it to affect you unless you have a hardened heart. If, if it, it doesn't come to you and if it isn't touching you, then maybe you need to ask God for a clean heart and a new heart. But he reveals to us our identity through that. God's word is living and active. Living meaning it is, has power. God's word is powerful. And it says that it's, it's active, meaning it's constantly doing and moving. Excuse me. And moving. It judges. It reveals. We don't like to be judged, do we? God's already judged us. That's why I say when we read the Bible, we read it on a personal level. Don't worry about what's going on over here. Don't worry about what that person's doing. Don't be concerned about the next door neighbor. Be concerned and read it on a personal level and allow God to reveal you to you. And he goes on to say, it's like a two-edged, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints of the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Judging and then discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The Word of God looks into the heart of man. It's like a two-edged sword. It cuts when it goes in and it cuts when it comes out. And it reveals our true nature. Look at on down to verse 13 and it says, And no creature is hidden from his sight. 
and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. In other words, you're not hiding anything from God. You know, so many times we have, and we've talked about a book in our Sunday school class, and, and that book is um, actually sins that we are accept, acceptable sins or respectable sins, sins that we overlook. You know, we think, of, we see a murder, we think of sin, we, we see uh, a rape, and we, we, and we just think those things are horrible, which they are. But are they any different than the lie that you told your neighbor? A respectable sin. What about anxiety and worry? Anxiety and worry. What are you talking about, preacher? Anxiety and worry are a sin. They show lack of trust and dependence upon God. Those are the kind of respectable sins that they're they're talking about. Those things that we hide in our heart. Those sins that that take place. But the thing of it is, God wants you to see that. God knows them. That's why I was saying that. God already knows that. He, He tells us that in verse 13. But He exposes it for us to see our true identity. He allows us to see into our heart. That's what the Word of God does. That's why it's cutting. That's why it's living. That's why it's like a double-edged sword. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. The heart is deceitful above all things. Just think about that for a moment. And beyond cure, there's no cure. There's only Jesus Christ who stands and intercedes for you before Christ. The heart can't be cured. The heart can be worked on and changed. But that sinful nature is always going to be there. God says that we. God tells us that if we say that we were out without sin, what we make him a liar, right? So we're never without sin. It's only because of what Jesus did on the cross, what the young lady saw, and when she gave her life to Christ, because it was His sin death that paid the payment for us. His blood covers us. Hebrews 13, just a reminder that no creature is hidden from his sight. I want you to remember that. I don't care what's going on in your life, what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're thinking about thinking. God knows it. And his word, when we're in it, reveals it to us. And when I think of that, all I can say about myself is despicable me. Despicable me. Because that's what I am. Can you say that about yourself? Can you see yourself as despicable? Because
Because if you don't, maybe you ought to check your relationship with God. Maybe you ought to check and see. Because that's who God says we are. That's who God reveals us as. I'm not saying on down the road that Jesus has, God doesn't have plans for us because he does. But Despicable Me. How many of you have seen the movie Despicable Me? I don't know if you've seen it or not, but there's a guy in there named Gru. And Gru's one of the most... Someone distills the pyramids and, and, and makes him want to be even greater than that. So he decides he's going to steal the moon. He couldn't handle that he wasn't the worst of the worst. He wanted to be the worst of the worst. But something happened to him. And that something was two young girls came into his life. And all of a sudden, because that love came into his life, he began to see things totally different. See, God's word is a love letter to us. He's telling us how much he loves us. He's showing us how much that he loves us and he cares about us. That's why he shows us who our true identity is. Because he cares. He don't want to he gives us free will and he wants us to have that free will. So in order that we agree to get into his word and from that we can see for ourselves who we truly are. Romans 7:15. <clears throat> Romans in chapter Romans 7, beginning in verse 15. Because the Apostle Paul, he writes this because he sees how despicable he is. And he writes, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do everything I hate. You ever feel that way? In your heart, you love God, and you want to do the right things, and you want to live righteous life. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Someone pulls out in front of you in traffic, and what happens? And he goes on to say, now, if I do what I want, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now, if it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. See, he has no desire to do it. But it's the sin that indwells him. The sin nature that's within all of us. I don't care how many times you're dunked in that water. I don't care how many times you get down on your knees and pray. Which we should because we understand who we are. But the point is it does not take away the sin nature. It will always be there. And when we see ourselves as Paul sees himself... For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. 
have the desire, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. And then he skips down to verse 22 and he says, Wretched man that I am. The wretched man that I am. Paul seen himself. But Paul knew the word. Paul understood who he was. And then he goes on to say, Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, when we understand our true nature, it drives us to God, or should. Think about when you first got saved. Why did you get saved? Why did you go to the Lord? Just because your, your friend did? Did you just come forward because your friend did? Or is it because through the Word of God, you saw who you really are? Excuse me. See, the Word of God changes us. The Word of God changes us. I want you to see these things today. That's why it's so important to be in the Word. John 17, 17 says, Jesus prayed, sanctify them by the truth. And your Word is truth. Sanctification is a process. It's a growing experience for a Christian. It's not something that just happens overnight. We get sanctified through the Word of God as we read it. It begins to change our hearts. We begin to see in ourselves in a different light. He helps us to renew our mind. See? The Word of God helps us to renew our mind. We put off the worries and the anxieties. We think, and he says, to think on these things, whatsoever is pure, honest, wholesome, and godly. Those are the things we are to think upon. The Word of God builds faith. The Word of God builds faith. When we're in the, world, in the Word, our faith will grow. Just think about the, the story of Lazarus. Now here's the thing about this. Either the word of God is true or God's a liar. And believe me, I don't think God's a liar. I believe everything that's in this because it's God-breathed. And it builds our faith. But the thing about you have to believe what it says. Think of the story of Lazarus. Dead four days in a tomb. And God calls him forth. I believe that. So what does that do? That helps to build my faith knowing that, hey, when I leave this earth, I'm going to be resurrected. The faith that it brings. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. How she reached out and she grabbed a hold of Jesus' garment. And her faith healed her. I believe that happened. 
I believe that David killed Goliath with a stone and a slingshot. What's that do for me? Well, if he can knock out that giant, I can too. What are the giants in your life? I don't want to get off on that. That's a totally another sermon. But that's what the Word of God does. It builds faith. It gives hope. See, when you're in, a word, in the Word of God, it, it, it builds your hope that I'm not a part of this world. I'm not going to stay in this world. I have a new home. Wow! COVID can have it. They can have it. This is not my home. I got a hope where there's no more pain and there's no more suffering. I have a hope because I have a life eternal. We have life eternal. Think about that. You're never going to die. Never going to die. Your body may be laid down and, and put underground, but the soul doesn't die. It goes back to the Father who created it. Life eternal. It's never... And guess what? Hope. One day you're going to see Jesus face to face. And you can bow down before him and say, Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for saving a wretched man like me. As, as despicable as I am, before he even knew me. Or I said, let's reverse that. Before I even knew him, he knew me. But before I ever knew him, he died for me. What hope there is. This is what we find in the Word of God when we read it and we take it personal. It teaches us what true love is. How would we know what true love is if the Bible didn't tell us? Because this world thinks it knows what love is. People just love everything. I love pizza. I love Pepsi. I love Coke. We just love everything. But what is true love? Only the Bible tells us what true love is. It's a laying our life down for our friends, our loved ones. True love is active. It's not about just telling someone you love them. That's not true love. True love is active. It teaches forgiveness. It teaches us what forgiveness is all about. It teaches us about mercy. And it teaches us about grace. How we're to be merciful. How we're to show grace. How much time do you spend in the Word? Are you taking it personally? Think about that. It teaches us forgiveness. See, the Bible teaches us forgiveness that we forgive when we're not even asked to forgive. If someone does me wrong, I don't mean I have to wait for them to come and ask for forgiveness. You just forgive them. Because that's what Christ did. He just forgave you. He didn't, you didn't go and ask him to forgive you. He already had done it. You just had to accept it. 
the Word of God gives strength. In Nehemiah, he says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We've been studying Nehemiah in Sunday school. My favorite book by far. And one of the reasons I wanted to study it is because of what our church had been going through. Because of the COVID, because of the, we, our pastor retired, and, and, and I wanted to show and see how Nehemiah, I'm nobody, I'm nobody, just a layman who had never been to Jerusalem, who was born in captivity, but because of his love for God, Asked God if he could go back and rebuild the walls. And God made it available to him to go back and to do so. And in doing so, that one man created one of the greatest revivals that you have ever read about. Shouldn't that be us? Shouldn't that be us? Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. So in your time of needs, are you reading things like that? Or are you just full of anxiety and worry when God's saying to you, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. That's what the Word of God does. It directs our way. Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet. Why? Because in the dark, and when we walk in the darkness, we don't know where we're at. But God lights our way. He makes it clear for us. He's because the way of Him is narrow. The wide path we don't want to be on. But because of the way is narrow, the Word and through the Word lights a lamp to my feet and it lights my path. That's how we stay on that straight and narrow path. It's how we become holy and righteous. The Word of God is our weapon. It's our only weapon. Think about Jesus when he was dealing with Satan. And how did he respond to him? He quoted the Word to him. That's how we overcome Satan in our lives. That's how we overcome evil in our lives. We use the Word of God. But if you don't know it, how do you use it? How do you have victory? Because victory is in and through Christ. And knowing the Word of God... Here's the part I like. It teaches us of our new identity. It teaches us of our new identity. Our identity, but God gives us, creates and makes us a new creature. And the old man is gone and all becomes new. The old man isn't gone. He's still there if you dig him up. 
But he says, our, he, he teaches us of our new identity. We are now God's children. Think about that. We're God's children. The creator of the heavens and the earth and the universes and everything that exists. We are God's child. We're heirs to his throne. We're saints. We have been adopted by the king of kings. You have been adopted by the king of kings because of what Christ did for us. And that's what leads to salvation. That leads us to... The word of God leads us to salvation because God's word never turns void. How do we have find faith? Through the word. How do we find salvation? Through the word. I'm going to ask the praise team to come forward, if they would. And I'm, I'm going to close today. <clears throat> and as they come forth, I want you to remember this week to get in God's Word. I didn't give you a New Year's resolution. I'm just giving you what God gave me. He said, remind them of my word. That personal relationship. See, it's God's love letter to man because he cares about you, who you are, what you're going to through life, and life about what you can become. That's what God's word's about. Because he cares, he loves, he shows us our identities, he teaches us these things, he gives us a new identity because of his love for us. But if you want to know him, and you want to know about him, and you want to get closer to him, you have to find and dig in his word and read it on a personal basis, not just to be doing a devotion in the morning to be reading. Let it speak. Let it speak. Let it hurt. Let it burn. It may hurt and it may burn, but it's like honey on the lips if you're filled with the love of God. I want to read one thing as I get ready to sing this song. Oh, how I love your law. It's in my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for all my testimonies are my meditation, for all your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil was in order to keep your word. I'm going to read that again. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are the words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, and therefore I hate every false thing. God's word. 
a reminder, just a short message, a reminder of what's ahead for you. I've asked them to come this morning, and we're going to sing a praise song. Because what happened in, in Nehemiah's time when Nehemiah had rebuilt the walls and, and had Ezra come and they built a platform and Ezra stood upon that platform and they read and he read from early morning till mid-afternoon the word of God. Now how many people think you could do that? We got to go home and get something to eat. We got to go home and see what ball game's on. It's probably a good thing they didn't have TV back then, or they, he probably couldn't have held a crowd like he did. But in doing so, he created a revival within the Jewish people. The Word of God can do that for you, it can create a revival within you if you allow it. And when they were done, at the end of the day, they fell down before God and they wept and they prayed because of what the Word had revealed to them. And Nehemiah put together singers and musicians and they praised God for His Word. That's what we're going to do this morning as we close. If you're here and you don't know Jesus... The altar's open. If you're something here on your mind or you want to get closer to God, the altar's open. But I do ask you to stand and sing with us this song.